Keith, before you get on the bus, we need to have a talk. I was in sixth grade, and by then I knew whenever we need to talk was said in that tone, I needed to listen and take whatever came next seriously. You see, I was excited that day because for the first time, I would not be riding the bus home. No, I would be walking with the exodus of middle school students that migrated downtown Hudson, Ohio at 2.30, a phenomenon I think happens to this day. We would all convene at Saywell's Drugstore for milkshakes, and then we would weave in and out of the stores in the afternoon. We need to talk about how you will act in those stores. My mom assured me, she said, I trust you to do the right thing, but because you are in middle school and you are with all your friends, you should know that store owners and customers may assume that you are up to no good. They may even follow you around or ask you to leave if you are not there to buy anything. And if they do, be kind to them and do what they ask. My mom was looking out for me and my friends, but it was unsettling to think that just because of my age and that I was in a certain space that people would judge me and assume that I was up to no good. However, we all judge, right? We all judge. You're at the movies, waiting for the, uh, the premiere to begin, and you're waiting, and the trailers come on the screen, and after every trailer pops up, what do you do? You talk to the person next to you about what you just saw. Oh, that has Tom Hanks in it. We should go see that one. That trailer was really violent. Who goes to those movies? Or if you've ever been at an airport terminal and you're watching a flight come in from Florida and you think, do they know that it is Ohio and January? Do they know that? We judge. We critique. We are human. But so often this passage from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount a sermon that focuses on the kingdom of God, a sermon centered on what it means to live in right relationship, it's often simply interpreted, judge not, lest ye be judged. The takeaway is, do not judge anything, ever. You might be judged. Good luck with that. Next time you go to the movies or you go out to eat, Those things happen. However, within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, we aren't talking about surface-level judgment, but the assumptions about who people really are and how that keeps us from treating our neighbor as ourselves. To see a group of middle schoolers and assume that they are up to no good. Instead of kids just enjoying their independence and being out of school. But I invite you just to think about your own lives. Has anyone ever assumed something about you because of 
where you grew up, your age, your gender, the, the way you live your life, or who your parents are? Did it show up in the way that they treat you? Did it affect what you could do or where you could go? The truth is, you are more than that judgment or that assumption. Jesus is teaching the disciples, and I wonder if the disciples were judging the people that often came to Jesus. To put Jesus' ministry in context, it was with the poor and the marginalized. It was with the people who were often rejected, left with little or nothing to live on. They were people who were sick that needed healing, those who did not have enough money to buy food that they needed. And so I wonder if the disciples' judging was making unfair assumptions about those they served. Because they did serve them, but something was holding them back from really serving, from really building relationships, seeing the others as their brothers or sisters. There was something obstructing that bigger picture, the kingdom of God. So Jesus teaches them, how can you help others or serve others by taking the splinter out of their eye when there is a log, that's a visual, a log in your own eye? To follow Jesus and to be the hands and feet of Christ is more than just yes, but it requires us to assess, to inspect the biases we carry so that we can move together in faith, where we can fully serve and help bring about God's vision of a community where people care for one another and support one another. However, in order for that to be realized, in order for the kingdom of God to come on earth, that log, that judgment, that bias, that assumption must be removed, and it cannot be ignored. In response to Tyree Nichols' killing, parents of black and brown children across the country have had to pull their children aside to say, we need to talk. Because as we watch the horrific video of yet another unarmed black man killed by ones that swore to protect them, parents continue to tell their children of color that I know you are good. And I know you may not be doing anything wrong. I know you have a good heart. But because of how you look and because you live in this society, you will be judged and presumed dangerous on sight, even by those that have swore to serve and protect you. And so my mom told me to be nice to shop owners to save me from probably a very heated conversation, but in this country, parents of black and brown children have reason to worry if their children will make it home alive. And this week brought back the familiar stories that we have heard over the years. 
In 2014, New York, officers wrestled Eric Gardner to the ground on suspicion, on suspicion of illegally selling cigarettes. While in a chokehold, he uttered the words, I can't breathe, 11 times. He died because of that interaction. 2014, in Cleveland, Ohio, Tamir Rice, 12 years old, was shot dead after reports of a male who was probably a juvenile pointing a gun that was probably fake at passerbys. He was 12 years old. 2016, St. Paul, Minnesota, Philando Castile was pulled over for a routine check and was upfront that he had a license to carry a weapon, and he told them that he had one in his possession. He was shot and killed as he was reaching for his license and his girlfriend next to him in the car. In 2020, Minneapolis, Minnesota, George Floyd was being arrested and held down by police officers, one of whom had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for nine minutes. And officers heard the familiar words, I can't breathe, but did nothing. 2020, Columbus, Ohio. Andre Hill emerged from his garage holding his cell phone in his left hand, and Officer Adam Coy shot Hill and then handcuffed him. He lay there for five minutes and 11 seconds till he died. And the list goes on. Michael Brown, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Dante Wright, Patrick Leola, to name a few. And then 2023, Memphis, Tennessee, Tyree Nichols was pulled over for suspicion of reckless driving, but things quickly escalated when five police officers took turns brutally beating him. And he died three days later in the hospital. I think we can all agree that law enforcement is a difficult position where people are asked to put their lives on the line day after day. Families worry if their loved one will come home. There is no denying that the challenges that face police officers these days are tremendous. And there are unrealistic expectations heaped on them and frankly, things they should not have to do but it is clear and always has been that people of color, those who are not white, are often treated guilty before proven innocent. When deadly force is quickly deployed on black bodies suspected of reckless driving, suspected of selling illegal cigarettes, carrying a reported fake gun, or coming out of their own garage. The pattern points to a way of being that is other than God's ways of being. And so as Black History Month begins, some politicians are banning the teaching of U.S. history, censoring the atrocities done to African Americans and other oppressed groups, knowing that when you tell the story and you unpack what is going on, it points to what we see going on today. 
And instead of growing from it and maturing and writing a new narrative, the truth is being banned. Jesus tells his disciples for the kingdom of God to become real, for you to live in right relationship, to truly be the hands and feet of Christ, you must remove the log that is in your eye. White supremacy is a log in every American eye. And as Christians, as white Christians, we have some work to do. And this is important if we want to walk with Christ, who fully reveals a God that desires peace and safety for all people, not just some. And so, as people of faith, how, you may be wondering, how can we begin to remove this log? I believe the first is grace. First, giving yourself grace that this is confusing. Giving grace if you don't have the right answers. Give yourselves grace that your experience of growing up does not match those who are black or brown or marginalized. Do not be too hard on yourself, but give grace to not know all the answers. Give grace to grow and a grace that Jesus extended to his disciples as he taught them the challenges of what it is to mirror God's ways in the world. And the second way we can remove the log comes from Walt Whitman or Ted Lasso, if you've ever watched Ted Lasso, who said, don't be judgmental, but be curious. Don't be judgmental, but be curious. Instead of defending or becoming offended, ask why. Why does this keep happening? What is it like to be a parent of a black and brown child these days? What is it like to be an unarmed black man waiting for the police officer to give him an innocent ticket? What is it like to be an officer that holds some biases against those that do not look like them and doesn't know where maybe some of their fear is coming from? Don't be judgmental, but be curious. The good news for us today is that the only one that gets to judge is God and God alone. That God made each of us in God's very own image, and so removing whatever log that is in our eye will help us only to see the beauty that is God in everyone we meet. No matter where they grew up, no matter their age, their race, their religion, or their occupation, then and only then, can we help remove the specks in the eyes of others? Amen.